Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it is 10.30 a.m. on the West Coast, 1.30 p.m. on the East Coast, and it's 6.30 UTC because daylight saving time is over. We've lost that hour of sunlight, the extra hour of darkness every day until we go back in a couple of months' time, three months' time. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm good. Is something going on today that I don't know about? Don't mention the war. It seems like there's a lot of people that are panicking over something. I don't know what's happening. There we Market go. Market likes it. Market does like it. That's all that matters. Stonks up. Uh. 6.30 in Scotland. Good. 6.30 p.m. UTC. That's what I was saying. Toby knows his times, folks. Don't you know, you, come at you him. Drink, a, drink a little cranberry juice and that UTC will go right away. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, should we start the show, folks? Yeah. We're on fire today. We got, we got our 10 fellas in Dubai, San Diego, Philly, Omaha, Germany, Melbourne, Sacktown. What's up, everybody? Dude, shout out to the 10. What's up, Charlie? How you doing? Warren, Charlie, my boys. I feel like they're just sitting around waiting for this thing to start, which is kind of rude of us to, you know, have them. They're tuned in, and then they got to listen to us go around the globe. But if they don't know it by now, that's on them. Uh, who's doing the uh, the thing today? The, the what do we call that? The intro. The intro. Probably JT. Hasn't been JT for a while. I feel like I've been hiding out from it for a while. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to Value After Hours with your hosts, Jake Taylor and Bill Brewster and Toby Carlisle. Bill, what do you got on tap for today? I don't know, but I think I'm going to talk Never Sell. Okay. Timely, Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I've addressed this topic a few times, but uh, Value's outperformed for two months in a row and that's uh it, that follows on 11 months of, of of underperformance plus the like five years before that so you, you got to do a victory lap when, when you get two in a row so that's the topic so you're telling me there's a chance all right and then uh my topic is going to be the whole speed calculation of life we'll see if that, how that turns out right after this i feel like never sell and whole speed calculations are in the same in the same vein of in the same philosophical vein like masturbatory <laughs> okay we can let's well, let's dispatch with mine really quickly because mine's a short one and you guys have got good chunky ones that we can get our teeth do into we? yeah well whole speed is great and i got i got lots of thoughts on never sell okay <laughs> but mine is really just to say literally what i just said According to Sarah Ponzek, uh, I think she's on CNBC, Bloomberg, pardon me, uh, value has now outperformed for two straight months after losing out for 11 straight. So that's good. We're back. 
after five years. I, I've got no idea, but if the if uh, if if Einhorn is right, September was the the top or the bottom. We're back. September second. September. It. Yeah, it's, it's very specific. That it's, might be a day that lives in infamy. Nine to twenty. Nothing particularly interesting about that, is there? No. No. I don't think so. And smaller Jake, micros doing very to well too. Close down your private tabs there. I can see what's on your computer screen for your glasses. <laughs> oh, uh oh. <laughs> you may want to may want to close down some of those chats there, sir. Mm, indeed. <laughs> just my so only did you cut. just uh, did you just curse us, Toby? To yeah, I'm four se- more years. Of I, I'm sending us. I'm sending us back to uh, back to underperformance. Okay, good. Yeah, cyclicals have done really well lately, haven't they? It's been I'm just s- like thinking and small and micro cyclicals. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. Probably that the next president's going to spend a shit ton of money. I think we're that's confident that's going to happen. The great rotation. Is that what everyone's calling for? I don't know. I think it's last time. Last time, uh, the market rallied on the Thursday before Trump got in, and it was a good value rally. Um, I, I I remember like. I remember it pretty distinctly that it just rocketed. Like after after drifting right into it, it, it took off. So uh, we're recording this pre, pre-decision. I thought this may come out pre-decision Friday. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, I don't think that, I don't know if there's anything to be drawn from. I don't, it'd be interesting. Like it's up a little bit. It's been up a f- the last few days, a little bit probably more of a value market than, than a growth market. So we'll see. See what that means. All right, that's all I got. Let's do let's do whole speed. All let's, right, let's yeah. give the folks what they want. <laughs> so this one is a, a shout out to Brian Bryson, uh, one of the ten who put me onto this. Uh, now I don't know if you guys know this, and I I didn't really know much about this, even though I kind of like sailing and boats and stuff. But there's this idea called whole speed, and it's sort of this theoretical upper limit of how fast a a boat can go and it's this interesting calculation that is uh the length of the water line which is actually like on the boat where it's in the water from like tip to tail so the square root of the length of the water line times this constant 1.34 i have no idea why that is equals the hull speed in knots so uh, you know, like a 35 foot boat with a like a 28 foot uh, length of the waterline, theoretically has an upper speed of seven knots. And the reason why that is is that any boat that is moving in the water has to shoulder that water away. And because water doesn't compress, the only place that it can really go is up. So it creates what's called a bow wave. And you've seen this, you know, any boat that's go chugging along, like it's pushing water and it's creating this wave out to the sides of it. Well, the faster that you go, the bigger the bow wave gets. And eventually you are pushing so much water that, and it's actually like, there's some math in there with like a sinusoidal of the wave and how far it is along the length of the boat. I'm not gonna get into that because it's boring, but uh, (laughs) eventually, not that boring is not one of my criteria for these segments, but, (laughs) but eventually the boat starts to tip backwards and the faster, more energy you put in, the faster it goes, 
the steeper the bow wave becomes. And so you get diminishing returns. And eventually you just like, you're adding more, but the, it's climbing a steeper wave. Uh, and it, you know, it doesn't, it's not as in a, it's not as efficient. So, um, you know, the, that's why like that length of the water line, uh, like when you see those really like professional rowboats that are, they're really long and really skinny. And that is to keep the bow wave, like to, have a higher hull speed because that length of the water line so all right interesting enough but let's like get into some real practical application maybe um so one of the things about boats is that that drag of any kind really slows you down in the water so anytime the water has to go around something it it it's very noticeable for a boat so things like you know if you have weeds on hanging you know off the back of your propeller if you have barnacles um like that's just more that water has to move around and that drag really adds up so i get to thinking like what if like sort of your regrets in life are sort of like these mental barnacles that make it kind of harder to push through the water of life if you're really loaded up with a bunch of barnacles on your hull uh that's number one number two uh hard edges of any kind create turbulence in the water so there's there's like these little corners that run along and like on some boats like they'll run along the length of it and they're called chines and what it is is like there's so you know most boats have very rounded holes and that's to so there are no corners that will create more turbulence right but some boats have you know these little corners just if it's they use different kinds of metal um, but it got to, that has me thinking like. You know, maybe there are behavioral chines and these things that create turbulent, like personality quirks that create turbulence and make it harder for you to go through life, like and lower your whole speed. Um, now, let's see. Next, number three, the uh, a lot. I, I didn't realize this, but uh, many times the function of a lot of the sails, especially on the front part of the boat, like the head sail and the spinnaker, the function of it is not actually to catch the wind and create forward propulsion it's actually to create upward lift on the boat and reduce the displacement of the boat so it has less water that's trying to move around so uh it, you know being lighter in the water it allows it to slip through it easier so and the less water that you have to move out of the way the the low the smaller the bow wave to to slow your whole speed down so maybe something like different life philosophies whatever you ascribe to We've talked about stoicism on the show before, um, you know, Buddhism, Christianity, Muslim, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're into. Uh, perhaps those kind of mindsets and and practices are are somewhat like that front sail, setting it in the right way so that you catch the wind and and kind of lift your your boat a little bit out of the water, like that having that sort of operating system, um, and and help you know, especially things like unattachment um which is a very popular thing in buddhism uh, you, you know if you have much less attachment it's sort of like you know raising your boat out of the water a little bit it's not loaded down too much with emotions and um you know all the negative feelings that can come from when we're barraged uh which is probably a good thing to think about today if if you're worried about you know election results and feeling triggered and um so the last thing is this, that length of the waterline of the boat is, what if that is sort of like the resources that you have at your disposal? Uh, so the longer, you know, kind of the better. Um, 
things like knowledge or money or time or your focus or your effort, um, you know, all of those things, resources, creating that longer water line allow you to either move more efficiently through life or, or faster. Um, and you know, with less drag and, and less making less bow waves potentially. So that's all I could come up with for some using a little bit of uh, tortured analogy of whole displacement and kind of how does that relate to, to life? I liked it. I, was, I, I wasn't sure what the analogy was going to be for, but I think it's a, it's a good one. It's an appropriate one for today. Taking the, uh, the barnacles off the hull, great idea. Lifting up out of the water, another great idea. One of the ways that I do that is I go back and I look at what historical figures have done, you know, have dealt with much more thorny problems that most of us will deal with in our lives. Particularly, I love, there's one story about Caesar that I love where I think everybody knows it pretty well, but he was young and he gets captured by pirates. And he basically jokes jokes around with them. They, they, they like him to the point that there's like 30 of these pirates, something like that. They like him so much, eventually they release him. So he goes home, gets, uh, gets together uh, a fleet of, of uh, whatever the opposite of a pirate is, and he goes back and he kills them all. Dang, that's gangster. You, you think about yeah. the, like the effort, the effort. You get home and you, you just escape from pirates. And uh, you just think, well, thank God for that. Uh, that was very lucky. But he, and you've bonded with these guys to the point where they like you enough to release you. And what you do is you get a, get a gang together and go back and kill them all. So that's, uh, that's something to think about. Where were the, where were the, where How would I apply this? Story? <laughs> yeah, fuck. Well, if you get home and you turn back around and you go back and kill them all, then you're Caesar. If you get home and you, and you don't, then, you know, you're... You're a normal human being and you don't go on to become Caesar. Very long bow, I get it. but I, I mean, that didn't turn out so well for him in the long run, right? Being Caesar. I mean, he's, he, he was Caesar and that the, became the name for the hereditary emperor of Rome. And it still exists today in the form of czar. And salad dressing. <laughs> and, and salad dressing. And uh, there's another king name that sounds like Caesar as well. Anyway, I forget it. I've been, uh, you know, sort of working my way through the snowball. And one of the things that I read that bothered me more than I thought that it would was how mad Buffett used to get at people riding his idea coattails. I thought that was kind of a very unsportsmanlike he was willing to take but not give according to the uh, the book uh, or at least my perception of what I'm seeing or hearing in the book because I'm listening also. It's kind very, of messed up. Very thinly traded positions though. If you're the only one in there buying. like you, you... I guess, dude, if I have a network of people that I share stuff with, I'm not going to not let them trade my shit and I'm going to trade theirs. That's not how I operate. What about the one we were discussing on on Thursday? Don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, I don't know enough about that. I, if you were like, "Yo, I bought this," I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't. I think it's kind of rude to care. No, I, I, I also I'm not dealing with a whole lot of money, right? I mean, if if I said to you like, "I am looking to establish a control position in this," and you front ran me, I'd be like, "Dude, that's a dick move." Yeah. But you know, I'm not sure. 
And if you buff it, you get to the point that when you're buying something, everybody's like, well, this is going to be good. So I want some too. Yeah. My perception if- of the framing was not that way, but maybe that's maybe I need to change my perception more than the framing. I wonder if us mere mortals, we get a little bit of satisfaction knowing that uh, people that we like or think are smart go into the same idea as we had, right? Like it's sort of some confirmation for us. Confirmation bias. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, Buffett just being a stone cold killer like he is, is not going to, he doesn't care. Intellectually, he doesn't care that you agree with him, right? So he's not getting any of that little bit of warmth of the confirmation bias. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't really care if people agree with me. As long as it's an honest conversation, I guess, I don't know. I just, look, I think that he lived a life where he took a lot in my perception. And I think as he's aged, he's maybe realized that there's some errors in that ways. And that's what I think he's trying to say to some people sometimes when he says, like, maybe overweight the other stuff that matters relative to the decisions I made. I don't know. But I I don't know. Just rub me a little bit off. Then again, he's also, you know, you're built in a particular way. There, there's, you're, you're, a, you're a captive of kind of your personality too, right? If you're, if you're spectrum-ish and, and you, you've got a thing that you love doing. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, I ain't him, that's for sure. <laughs> you're yeah. welcome, folks. That's the news of the day. <laughs> <laughs> that's the headline. <laughs> Area Florida man, not Buffett. <laughs> Turns okay. out Brewster's very average. All righty then. Oh well. Anyway, I don't know. I got more barnacles than he had. Mm. Not my personal it. life, though. I'm pretty good at that. This is a deeply introspective podcast, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. I've been I've been struggling with a lot of that stuff lately. Which part? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've sent out a couple tweets about it, like this, uh, like this imposter syndrome type thing. Like I, I have had a fair amount of success in a lot of different places this this year. I would argue this is probably my most successful year ever, uh, and I feel very conflicted about a lot of that. Like, I don't particularly like that I had some like success, however you want to define it, against Robin Hood, given the circumstances that it came in. Uh, I don't particularly like that I feel like I'm financially successful when a bunch of people are being hurt, you know, economically. Uh, I don't particularly like that, like, I moved my family to Florida. My kids are doing, like, they're thriving, and I have friends that, like, can't put their kids in school and stuff. I don't know. I feel, like, very conflicted about a lot of shit, but I am proud of what I've done, like, as a man, but I feel like it's all... I don't know, like very close to crumbling or I don't deserve it or something. It's a, it's a weird feeling. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Got to recognize like, it for what it is. Put it outside yourself. I know, but I'm like, motherfucker, you did it. Like, you know, those are three big decisions and you did it. So enjoy it. But I can't. I don't know. It's weird. You got one of the great modern day philosophers right, right, right here. Let's. I'm, I'm talking about Jake, not me. <laughs> yeah, just no, by the I way. I know, but dude, he's, he's looking at OnlyFans and he's got his shades on, and I can see it. <laughs> I like that analogy, Jake. Uh, I think we need to. We need to. We need to get on a new topic. Please. 
Oh, so I, I guess this this works. I was journaling today uh, with the introspection. So um, this never sell thing. Tell me if you guys agree with these truths. I'll just like rip through them and you guys can tell me and then we can deconstruct it. Truth one that I wrote is perception is influenced by recent history and desire. Like desire of the future and your perception of recent history really like influences your perception of what's going on. Do you think people overweight recent history? That would be recency bias. 100%. I mean, that, and that's why we're having a never sell discussion now and not in March on, 2009. Dog. I got fucking six more things. To go. We're not, we're not commenting on these as we go. I thought you, that was a dramatic pause. No, I thought no, you were pausing you for commentary. So you agree with that. Okay. Do you agree? Is it is it truthful to say masses of people can act far less rationally than individuals would? I mean, if they're if if they're yeah, if they're if it's if it's self reflexive, if they're if they're communicating with each other, if they're acting individually, then probably that that's that wisdom of crowds probably works. But the, where they're not acting individually, yet, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I think that prices sort of encourage that collective behavior. Uh, within some assets, those that have been skeptics look very, very dumb right now. I mean, do we think that's accurate? That's true. Okay. Uh, people that buy those assets, regardless of how much work they've done, look very, very smart. That's true. Okay. Uh, if you're right on the end state in time, it is potentially possible that you could overpay today, but end up okay. Right, like that's, if you're if you're right on the terminal economics, it's possible that you could overpay a little based on like true fundamentals or whatever. So I think that what's going on in my head is like if you accept those five things as truth, uh, then I think that it's become like, who cares? As long as you're sort of right at the end, you'll be fine and never sell. And I think that's somewhat of what's going on right now. And I just don't think that there are that many assets that you can apply that logic to because there are very, very few assets that are that good that you can be that right about the terminal value. That was sort of what was going on in my head this morning. I think calculating the terminal value is almost impossible, but you can work out, you know, if something is a super earner and it has the traditional criteria of possessing a uh, some sort of competitive advantage and it doesn't have all of the ways that people have taken their you know taken their portfolios apart in the past like it doesn't have a whole lot of debt it doesn't have a commodity input that is material to the to the cost of the of the business like there's lots of ways that, there's lots of landmines if you avoid all the landmines and you and something does possess those characteristics and it's a super earner then i think you can be i mean as confident as you can be that over the next like year two three four five it can sustain those and if you assume that there's going to be some mean reversion over that period of time and it still looks like a good position to put on then that's for me that's a much that's a much easier calculation than figuring out what the terminal value is going to be. Like I can, I can look at something. I can say this will be good for the next for the next period of time, and I'll update in a year. And if in a year I'm like, yeah, it's still going to be good for another three to five years, then you just keep on rolling that forward. So you're still considering it, and I think that that's a good way of you know, then you're not looking at price for your to give you uh, the pat on the back. You're looking at 
is the business continuing to deliver the way that I think that it should? I think I can do that. I don't think I can calculate terminal values, but I think I can do that. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I do think that there's some merit to trying to figure out like terminal economics and how quickly will it go there? And, you know, is it is it so overpriced today? Um, for instance, I was listening to uh, Cliff Sonson. I'm almost certain he said this. If he didn't say it, I'm sorry, Cliff. I know you listen. Um, uh, about Carvana. And I think he said, like, yeah, it probably is a little ahead of itself today, but given where I think it's going to go, and I think he may have cited taxes, though I'm not sure, you know, he was like, I don't want to get off this train. I can see the logic in that. I just sort of think that it's being applied to too many different places right now. And I think that price is driving the bias to apply that, and prices are going up. So the story gets bigger and particularly in software is where I really feel like it's going on. It, the, the base that you're paying for is so tiny. And if you think about it, like out of the money options, like you're buying options with so much implied volatility, uh, for lack of a better term, right? They're like sort of out of the money. And I think that like some of these big businesses have become so much better than people fathom that they could, that maybe they're applying it to everywhere else. Or conversely, I'm just like an idiot that can't see what's in front of me. And that's very possible. But I just know I don't know enough to play that game and it makes me very nervous. We don't have to play it. I know, that's why I don't play it. And people are like, why don't we play that game? No cold strikes in this game. Yeah, no. It hurts when you watch it, but <clears throat> what uh, your something you said kind of sprung a thought for me. The is it possible that price action by itself can create homogeneity, where everyone kind of stops thinking and for themselves and just kind of they all start to act very similar to each other, and therefore the whole wisdom of crowds you know, heterogeneity breaks down. Yeah, I do think that's possible. I think that's what goes on. I think that's why momentum as a factor works, though I understand that that's probably overly broad and I'm I'm probably attributing too much there. But yes, I do think so. I think if you look at any stock right now that has gone down, like energy is a great example of like people... I, I mean, look, there's somebody out there that knows how to make money in energy. I'm, I am certain that it's a good pond for someone to fish in. If you mention like at all that you think energy might be a good pond, like people just dunk on you. Like, oh, you're an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm the one. I just know that there's some value there. That's bizarre. There's two issues Bank- with the one. It's got, it's got Bank- regulatory issues, and then it's got you know, just the price, the, the, the underlying commodity issue. I, I think it's, I think it's, it's a really, really tough sector at the moment because it, you know, Jake will, Jake can tell us how important it is to the economy. And so I don't think it's going away anytime soon, but it does have some very significant political risk in it. Yeah, no doubt. But you make money where there's a divergent divergence of opinion. Generally, Although not lately, 
So maybe maybe I have a misapplied framework. That's very possible. I would say that there's a there's a price for everything, especially if you're more of a generalist. And eventually there is some level of cheapness that is attractive even to a, a generalist investor. And you don't really necessarily have to know all the moving pieces of the energy sector uh, at, at some price. That's true. Now, whether you can get, you know, whether we're there now or not, I don't know. But, I mean, there's obviously you keep going down and, and there's some price where pretty hard to go wrong. I mean, the, the, you know, the deep value guy in me wants to buy this stuff beaten up down where it is. But I've also been around long enough now to see some of these commodity cycles. And this is, you know, I would have said that and I've bought ConocoPhillips in the last two years. And uh, that was not the bottom. And that looked like a long way down to me. <laughs> And who knows where the bottom is? Like the bottom seems to be a, a long, long way down here. Yeah, I guess I'm not saying like go buy energy. That's not what I'm saying. I guess I guess what I'm saying is, and perhaps it's because uh, I used to be on Twitter much more. It just seems like, and maybe Twitter is just some microcosm and it's not. I mean, that's probably reality, but it just seems like uh, when prices go up, or prices go down a lot, the nuance in the discussion just completely, you know, gets eroded. And it's just like, it, it almost becomes like stock price, bro. It's like, all right, I mean, I get it, but. There's a, there's a few things going on in energy, right? There's that, the, the shale seems to have changed the economics of it. And I don't know if that's because there was so much capital put into shale, which, which I don't know if it's economic or not, but it just seems to have like completely shifted the shape of, energy supply so anytime energy anytime it looks like it's getting a little bit more expensive people start drilling again and it seems to keep it down yeah well i'm gonna ask something that's bound to piss off everybody like does it matter that it's economic or does it really just matter that more money will fund more limited liability companies that think that they can flip it at a levered return like eventually that game stops but like that's the game nobody's actually drilling these things for cash flow that's what I think a lot of fundamental guys miss about it is like that's what my buddy that retired on the fucking beach says about it. He's like a lot of guys look at this as a cash flow play and it's just not the game we play. And he's like I made a lot of money playing that game and people that look at it don't understand the game that's being played. That's their problem. They're just misapplying a mental framework. Now whether or not that can continue forever, I have no idea, but the fact of the matter is that kid retired. Yeah, where's Greenpeace protesting all our central banks for creating this? <laughs> it's actually not a bad question. You know, Buffett Buffett wrote the article sort of semi-protesting about uh, about the uh, greenback emissions. Mm-hmm. Turned into real emissions. It just kind of it just kind of disappeared that article. Like he wrote that, and then it just never got. Uh, there's just no kind of follow-up on it. It was funny. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. That was worth rereading. Do you remember the name of it? I think it was wasn't it Greenback Emissions something like that. Could have been. That was in the title at least. It must be it must be old now. It must be ten years old. Something like that. More than that, maybe. I feel like we're long overdue for a a Buffett op-ed of some kind. Yeah, he seems to like one every ten years, right? He had one in two thousand, calling the top of the dot com boom. 
And he had one in whenever that came out, 2010, something like that. Greenback emissions just seem to like I haven't I don't see that quoted a lot. I don't, I don't see that quoted ever. Yeah, I want to say that one was like 11 or 12, maybe. Could be misremembering, but that feels about right. Yeah, we need we need to we need an update. So what's what's the 2020 version then, or the 2021 version? What's on his mind? If I were him, I'd just be like, I was sitting there in cash for like five years, and then my opportunity came, and then the government just ripped it out from my hands, and now I got nothing to do. Is that the that's no, every that value guy? Is that the like, Fed the Fed front running or the the? Oh, you mean literally? No, the the bailouts. Yeah, I mean everything that he had. Uh, maybe maybe his op ed would be the end of prudence. Like why prudence is no longer prudent. Mm. Junk bonds at two percent yield. That's hard to for him to make money in that world. Did all right with Apple. Yeah, but you that you that's can't fair. wait for that. I mean, but, that's the problem. What do you mean? That's best. literally what he does. Like, let's think about what he's done. It's it's the he's underperformed but, for a while, you, though. You can't not wait for that. So, but look, I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can make a go forward investment strategy waiting for something like Apple and then swinging that big. I I don't think that that's the smartest decision. I think there's too much opportunity cost as things run away from you. He's sat there for I don't know how long. Like, I don't know how long since the last acquisition. Is it is it as is it BNSF? Is that the last big one before Apple? Is it as long as that? No, he had Precision Cast Parts, right? Was it after BNSF? That was big. Pretty close it on its tail. It wasn't. Right? It wasn't that. I mean, yeah. Recently, that was. But, Not as big as BNSF, though. Yeah, but it's literally like it's. He said he regards it as as Berkshire's third kind of big business. Yeah. So you get one like every every ten years or so you get an opportunity to like buy your third big business. I don't know, I'd take that. That's fine, but how much cash is still on the balance sheet? Cycle's not over yet, brother. But my point is he had the shot in March and it was taken from him. I a lot of cash could have come out off the balance sheet and everybody got bailed out. And maybe I still think that was the right thing to do for society, but I don't think it was the best thing for him. I mean, if you can no longer be the lender of last resort, why carry all this cash? That's a short-term win for society, but probably long-term loss, right? Like, we're, we've learned nothing, and we're going to get bigger problems down the line because of it. Oh, I think we learned something. I think we learned lever up. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, it's yeah. the wrong lesson. It's the wrong lesson. But because everybody's pushed to do it, I think it increases the probability that they try to bail it out again. And then maybe you get a situation where the whole system cracks. That's possible. But then what good's your cash? I think what it illustrates, like when you look back through history and you see there are all of these, you know, the dot-com boom, that was pretty all-encompassing. All of these other sort of periods of, of um, speculation in the market, it is kind of, uh, it's easy to read about them when they're, you know, you're reading a paragraph in a book or you're reading a chapter in a book and that takes half an hour to read and then the thing lasted a year and a half or however long it lasted. Being in it is a completely different thing. Like, I think it's pretty clear we're in some kind of speculative boomlet bubble driven by very low Idiot. interest rates and lots of things going on. But, you know, there'd be... There, two. 
yeah, there are lots of people out there who've got an opposing view, right? And that's that's what makes it so hard. Like and in the dot com boom, there are lots of people who are just like, yeah, this is this is the this is the way the world is going to be from now on. And if you and don't swing, then you miss. Right. Yeah. But they were just. It took much longer, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't. What's the difference between Pets.com and Chewy? Just time. Yeah. Could be a better little business. bit of time. Yeah. Chewy's a better business. How's it's, it better business? It's pet food over the internet. It's the same exact thing. What's well, better no, about it? Radio on the internet. You've got consumer behavior is, is actually Okay, like, so the timing wasn't right for it. That's what I'm saying. Well, it's not a great business if you're just setting up a speculation. Once there's like actually a business, it's a better business. You dig? That said, they do not have a lot of free cash flow. Woo! 5.9 billion of sales. Food. That's a lot of sales. 67 million of cash flow from operations. That's a lot of consumer surplus. <laughs> well, at least they're positive. Then Where's it's a the scale game. Yeah. I, well, I mean, the thing is, you've got gross profit. I mean, the, the important thing is you've got gross profit growing from 367 million to 1.4 billion over LTM over like two and a half years. That's a lot of growth. So you just hope you got a lot more fixed costs and variable, and then you could have a business in five years. We could stock-based compensate all that away real quick for you, too. I mean, this thing is $26.5 billion. That's absurd. I guess I guess if you tell yourself, well, I'm just going to own it for 10 years, and nothing's going to happen. Nobody is buying it here thinking they're going to own it for 10 years. No. I know, right? They're looking for the buyout, like Amazon or whoever, to come and be like, well, let's just vacuum these guys up. Yeah, I mean, look at this. Jesus Lord, 67 million of 68 million of free cash flow or cash flow from operations. My apologies, 159 million of which is stock-based comp. <laughs> what are you doing? 25 billion dollars. Meanwhile, I'm sure there's some decent business out there selling for like, oh, curate. There's one. <laughs> Boom. Never heard of it. Yeah, uh, it's funny that I I didn't even think of it at first, but. I don't know. This is crazy. Whatever. Good luck to the people playing the game. May you be right. I'll continue to play my own. It is a tough market when I've got this up on the on the uh, on the screen here. Intel, AMD, Nvidia, kind of um, triumvirate of things competing. Where you know AMD and Nvidia are just ski jumps to the moon. And then Intel like looks like a pretty classic value stock to me, but Intel you know can't get out of bed in the morning, and AMD and Nvidia are partying like it's 1999. Wild. And I it's- and I keep on hearing how you know everybody understand like yeah AMD and Nvidia have got the the next generation and Taiwan Semiconductor I think in there as well, and Intel's been left behind, but Intel's bigger spends more money on r&d i figure they solve the problem at some it's stage it's an order of magnitude difference <laughs> right. in r&d spend order of ma- they're 10x where's my boy mystery capital he listens to this hit us up tell us why but then you know the, the answer could be tech is hard and that and this is what happens in tech you just you know, you miss the next generation and you gonski Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I don't know at all what I'm talking about here, so it's worth what I'm about to say. But it seems to me that AMD forever trailed and then leapfrogged, and now Intel will forever trail. And 
I'm sure there's still some making lots of money. It's still growing. Dude, I'm not the guy to have this. High returns. I'm, not, I'm not arguing with anybody. Shit. I'm not arguing. I'm explaining what I'm doing. I've, I own it. Full disclosure. Could be wrong. Been wrong lots of times. I'm good at that these days. <laughs> it's still a remarkably profitable business. I yeah. mean, just one of the truly iconic American success story businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's this is actually the example. Forget about Curate. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you're looking at like what? Uh, I mean, they think, all right, so in 2023, this is all consensus, folks. I'm not doing my own work. 2024, 26 billion in free cash flow on a $184 million market cap. All right, so that's 2024. Now let's check out this chewy, this chewy game people like to play. I'm pretty sure I'm not that great at math, but I think that's north of 10% that I just quoted. Chewy, you got twenty five point six billion. We're paying. Oh, twenty six point four billion. My my apologies. I didn't mean to shortchange it on valuation. And we're looking at six hundred seventy two million of free cash flow, which carry the one. Yeah, you're under ten percent. It's crazy. But I guess on a forward looking basis, some people are saying that you know. One is safer to own than the other. I feel like one's just easier to sleep at night than the other. I don't think it's safer. Mm. And I think it's only easier to sleep at night when the stock's going up because when the stock goes against you and you got that much air underneath you, that is not easy. So we got a good you question. you got to actually believe 10 years out. Three questions in, folks, but let's, let's kick it off with this one. Is Alphabet a melting ice cube? I don't think so. JT, are you, you don't want anybody front running you in Alphabet. I think it's a little late for that one. Yeah, <laughs> I think it took off. Didn't got it? in already. That was so funny. It traded like it traded like value for a while, and I I, I read somebody said it, it stunk the joint up, <laughs> and then uh, it started trading like value, you know, which meant that it just went down every day when when Fang went up, and then like a week or two ago, they had that there was that when they all announced their earnings, the other the other FAMG stocks announced their earnings and they were all up big in terms of their earnings, all big beats, but the stock was pretty much beaten up in after hours and Google was the only one that started out performing and it's kind of held it since then. I didn't quite I get back to where I wanted melting it. Ice cube. I will say I'm, I'd be a little bit concerned uh, as if I was an index holder of how much of your perceived wealth is tied to digital advertising. And coupled with the fact that, you know, there are multiple studies out there that say that digital advertising may not be as effective as it's sort of quoted to be. Mm. Um, and that there's more mm. money that's, it's kind of like traditional advertising where there's a lot of money wasted, but we don't know which half, you know, is wasted. So I, I don't know. I think there's like, I think there's some false precision into some of these uh, digital advertising that, uh, makes people think that it's more effective than maybe it really is from a from like a, a psychophysics standpoint. I just don't know how you can look at a business that has grown advertising revenue from 78 billion in 2016 to 135 billion in 2019 and say is it a melting ice cube? Like that's one hell of an ice cube and it it's getting further and further away from the fire now. Could Apple could this Apple search maybe, you know, take some of it? Yeah, I guess it could. Liberty wrote something decent about that. I don't know. 
I mean, Kleenex, I guess other tissues entered, but, uh, I mean, cloud, like they're, they are really focused on cloud. I don't think that that's not some other bets nonsense. That's like a legit team that's going out to compete and they're winning. So, uh, you know, what are the terminal economics? What kind of market share do they get? Would you do it if you were them? I mean, those are all fine questions, but I don't know that you can call it a melting ice cube. Like AMC is a melting ice cube. That's a puddle of water already, isn't it? Yeah, but that's what I, I guess when I answer that way, that's why that's how I associate the things. I don't doubt that its best days may be behind it or something like that. If you want to have that argument, that's fine. There's uh I got a I got a super chat. We got a few today and I, I haven't been calling them out, sorry, but I have been putting them up on the screen. Facebook is relative value compared to Snap, Google, Twitter pins. Doth thy concur. Agree. I'm actually super bold up on Facebook. Why so? Oh, dude, I think I think the amount of money that Zuckerberg is pouring into VR and AR right now. I mean, I played with an Oculus. That thing blew my mind, and I wanted to hate it. And I was like, this is pretty nuts. And you got a founder that's pissed off that he missed the phone, and he's got a ton of discretionary cash flow, and I think he's got a pretty big lead. You can read the, uh, like, the reviews of Oculus are all through the roof. I'm probably going to get an Oculus too because I want one. Like, I think it could be big. And he also really understands the game of getting it in front of people because of the merits of, you know, getting the developer ecosystem going. I mean, that thing's only priced at 300 bucks. That's crazy. That's just a loss leader. That's the razor to get into your house. Uh, I think they could do big things there. In fact, I sort of wonder if I was an Apple shareholder, if I would be worried about them. Could be the next screen somehow. 100%. That's what I think. Here's the thing. Sure. I think it's potentially the next screen. And whoever whoever owns that dominates the next generation of of whatever connection we have. But that's not what Facebook's business is. So you're kind of you're playing a slightly different game to valuing Facebook versus kind of guessing what happens with VR and whether Facebook dominate VR. But I will say that you're getting paid probably to take that bet where Facebook is. It's probably reasonably good value. And then they look like they're out in front. I mean, that's the first kind of consumer VR headset I've seen that looked like it was reasonably good value. I saw, the same, I saw that same ad and thought that looks really cool. I want that for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, last I checked, this screen's worth a lot. So the next one's going to be two. JT. I uh, I find relative value comparisons to be intellectually lazy myself. Woo! I, I don't really professor. like them. <laughs> I don't really like them. But... I, what, why so? Because uh, you can just put some comps just in that, that don't make sense. something is stupidly priced does not therefore mean that something cheaper is intelligently priced. But, uh, just ignoring the snap Twitter pins. I mean, t maybe not ignoring Twitter, but you've got Google in there as well as a comp. Yeah, that's a little... I mean, I don't know. It's not really how I like to play the game. That's fine. That's what people like to do. You gotta, But you got to have a real... I mean, fair enough. But you got to have a... Yeah, at some point you're comparing it to the opportunity cost of something else, right? And so it's either the ten-year eighty bips, or you know another business, I guess, because these are these year that's that's your opportunity set. 
So how do you how do you make the make the decision? He's like, you look at their free cash flow. Not only is he investing all that money in in Oculus, but then like they're basically building out like their own content delivery network with all these damn servers. Like he's, I think he's really trying to future proof that business as much as he can, and not relying on people outside. I mean, like. I don't know. I think, I think they've all done that to some extent, haven't they? Like Google does that. If you're on Google, you're probably not leaving Google very much. If you're using the search, you're probably staying on Google for a lot long, more than you realize. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how many of these guys can sort of capture people into their ecosystem for that exact reason. Do you think that there's a a day coming for Apple shareholders where they go, why weren't you spending more money on finding, creating that next screen rather than doing all these buybacks and hollowing out your... Do we need 12 iPhones? Make one of the iPhones a, a, a screen that goes in your headset. I mean, maybe, maybe that can already do it because you know, my, my Pixel has that functionality sort of built into it. It sucks, but it has it in it. IPhone Someone that's long Apple is screaming at the screen right now <laughs> saying, they are, you dumbass. <laughs> Could be. It's buffered. I, I would hope so if I was. I mean, I do like Josh Wolf's theory about the uh, screen or whatever the interface is getting closer and closer to to the human. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was sort of interesting about Facebook's call is they're partnering with Luxottica to release like their version of whatever Google Glass tried. Like Google Glass is the exact type of product that Google would fail at because I just don't think that their ethos is like fashionable enough to really like figure out a consumer product. And I think Facebook's not Zuckerberg. That dude's a cyborg, but I think he's probably got people that understand around him. They seem like they're thinking of fashion and how things look because that's going to be table stakes to win that game. Maybe he does understand it all really well. He just doesn't want to play. I don't know. I've heard I've heard think, that he's pretty pretty charismatic. Zuck? That's what I've heard. Uh, I guess from people that want him to do something for him. <laughs> that, that could be yeah. true. <laughs> that could be true. People who want a billion dollars? Yeah. No, I promise. Zuck's a cool Yee. dude. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure. What about uh, what about self-driving cars? Who's gonna Who's gonna win that one? Waymo. I'm not worth listening to. Call it Tesla just yeah. to make everybody mad. Mm. Let's go back to Josh Josh Wolf's. I don't know what, what I don't know what he calls it, but it is super interesting that idea that we used to walk into a room that had a computer in it, then we put the computer on the desk, then the computer sat on our lap, then the computer went into our hand, then it went onto our wrist, and like the final frontier is sticking it on your face, and then Musk wants to stick it into your brain, which that's going to be too far for me, but I'm prepared to wear the glasses. I think that's right. I don't know, man. I don't think I'm ready for that. Toby, would you go contact lenses that had had a computer? I no. I, don't, I mean, I don't wear glasses. I don't wear contact lenses, so I don't. I don't really know. But I don't really like the idea of sticking contact lenses in my eyes. <laughs> would you? I can't touch my eye either. <laughs> I'll wear the glasses. Maybe. I've seen Josh Wolf's demonstrated this. Uh, I know demonstrate might be the wrong word, but. The, the the idea I don't know if they've got like a working prototype or not but they had this idea where you're not going to um, need something stuck into your brain because you can stick it on your wrist that armband thing yeah, yeah and it can understand your 
your intention. So you can learn to type and you can have different, you and I can have different typing mechanisms. And it turns out that the, the, you, can, you can teach the computer to understand because it recognizes when you're frustrated and adjusts. And pretty quickly, you have your own personalized. Yeah. <laughs> Send me back to the home screen. Operator, <laughs> operator. Because voice yeah, sucks. Yeah, there's a right? lot of cool stuff out there. I mean, that's... Here's an interesting... We were talking about terminal values a little bit. I saw some stat that uh, the the average age or longevity of a company in the Fortune 500 in like 1950 was 61 years. What do you think that it is today? Oh, it's going to be short. The, aver- like- aver- what, so, uh, the average age of those ones that are currently in there or the average longevity on like exit? Exit. From inception to exit? Yeah, I think so. That's hard, but 25 years? I was going to go a little shorter. I was going to go like somewhere in the high teens, maybe 18. What's the answer? You're good. Is it 18? Is it? Yeah. Boom. So everyone who's putting these uh, like, you know, 2060 estimates uh, for your terminal value on these companies, you're going dramatically against base rates. It's a new world, dog. Do you think is that a cyclical phenomenon or is that a secular phenomenon? I mean, it looks pretty secular because of the way it's been going. But is that just like every time you get a boom, everything looks secular too? So we're spending lots of money. There's a lot of turnover. No, I think that that's a pretty like straight secular line downward, and it's like going down like one year per year or something like that. Obviously, it's got to get asymptotic at some point, but. yeah, I, I mean, turnover just has to be higher, right? That's what I found funny, too, about, like, Bill Gates was talking in, like, the late 90s about tech companies should trade at a discount because there's so much uncertainty about the future. Well, Inherent in a tech business model. That's right? why Buffett doesn't invest. Well, that's why Buffett avoided them for a long time, right? Just because the, the obsolescence, it's kind of, it's uh, paradoxical, but the obsolescence in high technology is higher than it is in low technology because no no one's trying to compete there and well, yet we find ahead, ourselves Dick. in today's world of uh yeah, basically the everyone betting the opposite of that but the, the the business model has changed pretty materially right like i just i saw somebody i saw a tweet this morning so the can opener was invented 40 years after the can so we just had like 40 years of cans stacked up around us. And then somebody was like, we need to get the f- whatever's inside these things out and invented the can opener. And then people were like, there's food in the cans. So that was that was a huge leap forward. No, it's, it's, what the but, hell were they doing? Chewing them open before? You, you had like a chisel and a hammer, I think, or something like that. But if the, if the can and the can opener were invented today, I think that would be like a razor, razor blade model, right? We're just going to give away the, we're going to give away the can openers and then we're going to jack up the price of the cans. And that'd be, so I just, I wonder if there's been like, there's certainly been advances in, you know, technology and products, but there's also been advances in business processes. Everybody understands now that you want to get on that subscription revenue, right? So that's why every single thing every single business you have a relationship with now wants a subscription with you like you can't just go in and buy it in the store anymore they want to send it to you on the regular because they've they've worked out that same thing that that you know that uh uh the razor blade dude who who had the uh the funny ad like they or, or, uh, yeah dollar, dollar shave, shave club. club so they worked out that 
you know, you, you, the razors basically are way too over-engineered for what everybody needs, but also that they could make you buy more razor blades and spend more money if they just sent it to you on the regular because, you know, it's a pain in the ass going in and trying to buy a razor blade. You've got to get the lady to get the key and unlock it from the, the shelf like you're going to run away and steal it. And then she's got to carry it up to the front desk just so you can't break for it at the door with your, razor, with your like $50 worth of razor blades, which is like four razor blades. I digress. This is what Zwara was pitching. No, Zwara, I mean, that company was built to sort of transition people to the uh, subscription economy. See, it had a nice run here in September when everybody was thinking never sell at $16, and then they sold, and now it's at $9.77. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. I guess that the thing that Jake has alluded to in the past that I'm not quite sure of is the next guy is going to have the same thought. So... Uh, I guess that part of me says, okay, well, if you say you're an enterprise software company and you get in the distribution chain, if you can keep your technical debt at a minimum or be maniacal and never have it, then maybe there's like this permanent relationship. On the other hand, Zoom was sort of able to take so much market share because it just works. I, I mean, are we just going to have tech that just works? And if so... Like, what prevents the next thing from just working? And then why is your asset life going to be what it is? And, like, I get it. I do I do think that Zoomtopia was a very cool thing to watch. I mean, the idea of, okay, I can take any phone and, and be on my enterprise call and, you know, or, or um, phone network, rather, right? I don't have to go in and have, like, an installed phone and then a BlackBerry, and it's all seamless. Like, okay, cool. But... I don't know. Is the next guy going to look at a $140 billion company and say, I can do that too? I'll send you a link. We're not going to, we don't have to like, you don't have to know my address. I'm just going to send you a link. You click the link. We all get in the same room at the same time. Yeah. That's innovation. I mean, maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe this, maybe this is the next infrastructure and it never goes away, but. Five minute abs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just hard. I don't know. It's hard to believe. I, it's um, I, I have conflicting thoughts of like tech has gotten so seamless and so good, and yet also somehow it's super defensible. And it seems like high valuations would throw a wrench in all that. Number one theft item from drugstores is Monostat. Number two is pregnancy tests. Raises are way down the list. That's because they lock them up. Yeah. It's because you got to go in with your note with a note from your bank saying that uh, you you're solid for the. Uh, for the uh, joke, and you can you can pay it in installments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also, why? How do you know that? Whoever you are, that's an odd thing to know. Dude, Eric Nielsen. Powerful. Well, I guess if you're an investor, but if you just have random yeast infection stats off the top of your head, I question who you are. I applaud you. <laughs> that's fair, America. We solved UTIs at the beginning, and now we've got <laughs> Monistan at the end. It's true. We're going to be ruining everybody's uh, advertising. We've been demonetized. We're going to, we're going to ruin relationships over this. People are going to wonder why they, they're, they're getting so many ads for... Uh... Oh, yeah. Why yeah, are you getting ads hate for? the ads. It's not our fault. We're sorry. Blame Google. Blame YouTube. They, ma- they want you to subscribe. They want that... They want that <laughs> They want that subscription revenue. They can't su- su- survive on advertising alone. 
you know, I think that there is a kind of bigger point to this, though, that we may see the world get a little bit more expensive on us and all this free stuff that we've sort of grown accustomed to might start to disappear a little bit. And maybe even we do it on purpose and we'd rather have a relationship with a company that we pay for the service rather than getting backdoored with ads and all kinds of other stuff. I think this whole sort of free utopia, maybe this is just a time period that we're going through and eventually it's going to cost a little bit more for this stuff. You just buy Apple stock before you made that pitch or what? <laughs> Apple for the privacy. Yeah. Yeah. And the 30% rake on the uh, app store. You know, what's funny is I used to love Apple and hate Facebook. And now I look at it like Apple's taxing small business and Facebook's enabling it. And it's just weird how a little bit of time can change my perception on two pretty big companies. Uh, it's... Well, now you know they would say, "Well, we're we're giving them the distribution and whatever." Okay, I get it, but I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong, but what's the uh, you know live long enough to see yourself become the? May you live my long father? enough. My father? No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I may, I can't remember the quote, but it's basically, "May you live long yeah. enough to see yourself become the kind of dominant power." And then you know, if you're the if you're a, uh, if you're the rebel, like if you if you survive long enough, you become what you hate. You become what you're fighting against. Yeah, no, Apple. That's right. Apple's the dominant power. Now they're about to get well, unseated. It, it wouldn't be very empire. Munger of me if I didn't like rethink my thoughts, right? If I just sat there and thought about it, Munger would be disappointed in me. So, Charlie, I'm trying. Amigos, that's time. That was fun. Uh, right. Have a good one. If, folks. if the world's if the world's still uh, still standing next week, we'll we'll be back, um, probably under President Yi. So we'll see you then. It'll be standing, but if you don't vote, you can't bitch. Yes, you can. There's yeah, no rule yeah, that you have to vote to bitch. No, I don't like it. Peace. Shake it up, stop when the clock hits 13 Sing one, two, three, four Cause, cause, cause No one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it Like we do it, like we do it